Amen. So good evening once again and welcome to Tribe. We want to welcome our online community and we hope that as you are connected, we pray as we are connected, the Lord himself will speak unto your hearts and will cause these ancient words to be revived in you in Jesus' name. So this is Acts of the Apostles, part two. Um, we begun part one last week. The Acts of Apostles is an historical account describing the development of the early church from the ascension of Christ, when Christ went to heaven, up until when Paul was arrested in Rome. So, from the ascension of Christ to the ordeal of Paul in Rome. So, together, that is the Gospel of Luke and the Acts of Apostles, interestingly, Account for 27.5% of the New Testament and by volume the largest contribution attributed to a single author. So Luke wrote more of the New Testament than Paul. Dr. Luke he was a physician and missionary companion of Paul. The Gospel of Luke tells us how God fulfilled his plan for salvation through the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. While the book of Acts of Apostles tells us how Christians lived out this salvation. So it tells us the events of the early church leaders. So Acts of the Apostles lays out the geographic movement from Jerusalem, the center of God's covenant people, the Jews, to Rome, the center of the rest of the world. The advancement of the church started from Jerusalem. The first expansion wave in the first seven chapters happened. Then it enlarged to Judea and Samaria. That was the second wave in Acts 8 to 12. Then the third expansion wave occurred in 13 to 28, and that is the expansion to the end of the earth. And since the book is the Acts of the Apostles, you see the involvement which apostles were at the frontiers of the advancement of the work of God. Every advancement of the work of the kingdom of God is led by an apostle. So we see that the work of the kingdom did not start with us. And if Jesus tarries, will not end with us. The work of the kingdom advances when one generation hands over the baton to the next generation. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes, you can give a clap of unto the Lord. So the baton has been handed <laughs> to me this evening to take this 
uh, race and run with it and we will give an attempt with the time that we are given. So I'll be reading Acts 2 from verse 1 to 41 um, as quickly as I can from the NLT. Um, I would suggest that you go back home and take this book like we learned last week and study it for yourself and the Holy Spirit will amplify the truths, the part that he wants to bring um, your attention to, to you. You know, I've been privileged in the last, um, even from, from last year, for some reason, um, towards the last, last quarter of last year to just go through the Acts of Apostle over and over again as if I knew God was uh, preparing us for what we would do this year. And it has been an amazing journey because there's this hunger that should be in every believer to see God glorified in our day. Amen? Amen. Say amen. Okay. So, on the day of Pentecost, it's on the screen, the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say filled with the Holy Spirit. And began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them ability. As the Holy Spirit gave them ability. So we see it's the Holy Spirit that gives the ability to speak in tongues. It is not a figment of your own imagination. <laughs> we don't practice tongues. <laughs> the Holy Spirit gives you utterances. It gives everybody a different kind of tongue. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. Again, I, I read this scripture a couple of times, but I think for the first time last year, that part, this last part was amplified in my mind, and that is the fact that they were, they were praying in tongues, but what, they were, what the people could hear wasn't necessarily falling and die or casting down. They were hearing the wonderful things that God had done in their own languages. So in, in praying in, in the spirits, these guys were praising God. They were praising God. You can say they were praising God. They were talking about the wonderful deeds. It says one generation shall praise your works unto another. You know, they were talking about how mighty it was and they could all hear it. God made everyone hear it in the way that they could understand. Amen? Amen. So, they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them saying they are just drunk. That's all. 
You know, for, for people that call us pentirastals, this is the natural response we get from them. They say praying in tongues were just... Um, in fact, somebody said they were saying... I, read, I watched a, a clip a long time ago. Um, I think it was um, about between this apologetic um, uh, Zacharias. I'm not sure now. But the guy that was trying to... Um, Counter him was saying, we were saying, Mama, say, Mama, say, Mama, Makusa, you know. <laughs> and I said, God is merciful. He didn't press slap, you know, <laughs> from, from the heavens. Well, you see, we don't practice tongues. We don't practice tongues, but there will be people that think that um, we are saying, Mama, say, Mama, say, Mama, Makusa, right? So, then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully. Again, let me just I mean, amplify it in my mind again. I wonder why those set of people couldn't hear them praising God in their own languages. After all, some people could hear them praising God in their languages. But some other guys were saying, you know what, these guys are drunk. So again, you see that it depends on how hungry you are or it depends on how attentive you are. You get to hear different kinds of things. I could read Acts of the Apostles 2. And the Holy Spirit will amplify certain things to my mind. You can read it and amplify certain things to your mind. Some people can read it and it will just be a storybook. And not get anything out of it. But you will get something out of it in Jesus' name. So, listen careful of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by Prophet Joel. So he began to quote the book of Joel. Again, this alludes to what pastor said to us. You should know your scriptures. I'm not sure Pastor uh, uh, Peter brought out a scroll to begin to read um, the book of Joel. He was, he was speaking from memory. It says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Some people? All people. So that included everyone that was listening to them, including the people that were saying, they were saying, Mama say, Mama say, Makusa. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your, mon- your young men will see visions. Say amen. And your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on your servants. Servant men and servant women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below blood and fire and clouds of smoke the sun will become dark and the moon will be turned blood red before that great and glorious day of the lord arrives but everyone everybody say everyone who calls on the name of the lord will be saved again joel was alluding to what john saw in the island of patmos which is what the holy spirit also does for us he was seeing those strange things that John was seeing um, um, the, the king on the throne give orders. He wasn't the one doing himself, giving orders to the angels to blot out you know, the sun, pour um, um, fire, like he says, and smoke, you know, blood and clouds of smoke even upon, upon the earth. So for verse 22, it says, People of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him. As you well know, but God knew what would happen and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to the cross and killed him. 
But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. For death could not keep him in its grip. Because death could not keep Jesus in his grip, death will not be able to keep you in his grip in the mighty name of Jesus. King David said this about him. I see the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for his right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. Verse 29. Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David was ref- not, wasn't referring to himself, for he died and was buried, and his tomb is still here with, amongst us. But he was a prophet, and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own generation would sit on the throne. David was looking into the future. David was looking into the future. And speaking of the Messiah's resurrection, it was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead and we are all witnesses to this, of this. Now he's exalted to the place of the highest honor in heaven at God's right hand and the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us. God gave Jesus the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us. Just as you see and hear today. For David himself never ascended into heaven, yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? I pray in the name of Jesus that even without teaching, you know, Pastor said last week that when there were people that were apostles of certain kinds of moves in the church, that there was a man that would just read the scriptures. I was saying to God, let me just read the scriptures and the people are just crying all over the church. There was I'm praying that these words will be enough to convince you of a greater work that the Lord has for you tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I'm praying that these scriptures that have been read will be enough to set fire in your bones to hunger for all of God for the assignment that he has placed in your care in the mighty name of Jesus. So Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away. All who have been called by the Lord are God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time strongly urging all his listeners save yourselves from this crooked generation those who believed what peter had said were baptized and added to the church that day three thousand in all hallelujah amen so are you convicted already (laughs) 
You see, in Deuteronomy um, 16, 16, it shows us that, uh, again, one of the reasons why you should um, go back and also do a research, read the book of Deuteronomy 16, read the chapter, Deuteronomy 16, or the whole of book of Deuteronomy. It shows that there were three main festivals that was commanded to the Israelites, and um, they were the, the Pesah, which was the festival, it should be on the screen here, the festival of the unliving bread, um, which is known as the Passover, then the second um, festival was the Shavuot, Shavuot um, or festival of weeks, feast of weeks, which is um, now known as Pentecost. And the last one was Sukkoth or the festival of booths uh, or the festival of tabernacles, um, if you want to call it that. You know, Papi said last week that most times uh, people scrap for nuggets um, from, from the Bible. And as believers, we ought to study the Bible. So, I, I, I'll add today, we ought to study the Bible, Bible cover to cover, as indeed is loaded with um, great insights on the working of our faith. So, it, it, it says in, in, that, in that scripture, right, that men, right, um, men were to bring in, in their, their gifts in these festivals to God. It deliberately, it specifically mentioned men. Though it mentioned men, it doesn't mean that women were not accorded, you know, the same, I mean, in that time, women were not accorded the same legal or religious status, but that doesn't mean that their sacrifices unto God at the time was any less. But it said that men should come to, to a place God chooses to offer or to participate in these feasts and these festivals before God. I'm going somewhere, just, just follow my, my line of thought. So, what it was, what was happening at the time when um, Peter and a few other people were gathered and had this impact was that they had come in, in accordance or in obedience to that command to a place that God had chosen, which was Jerusalem at the time, um, to participate in this festival of weeks or Shavuot as the, um, the Jews call it today, okay? And it, it was a time when they came to God bringing their gifts. They brought their, their first fruits. They brought their sacrifices to, uh, before God, you know, and they feasted be, before him as a way of saying, God, we thank you for... Um, um, the agriculture for the harvest. In fact, it started with um, the harvest of the barley in the Passover and then all the way to 50 days later to the harvest of the wheat, which was this particular um, festival that made these guys journey from afar to Jerusalem, right? Before they had the uh, apostles and others having this encounter. So, so we see that th these guys came from all over, all over the place. They came from all over the place. God deliberately wanted his people to travel from wherever they were to come to Jerusalem, this place that he chose for them to celebrate this festival um, that you could tag the, uh, a pilgrimage, okay? So, this festival was originally um, an agricultural festival. And a festival that culminates the harvest that they had for that season, for that year. But in recent times, the Jews have also made it a festival 
to culminate or to celebrate the time that God gave um, the, the Torah, that's the first five books of the, of, um, the, the Bible, to, to them, to the Jews. God gave them a custodian of his commands. He, he gave it to them. So to them, that is an amazing gift. So if you can probably say some of those Jews that came to Jerusalem at the time came with the mindset that, you know what, we are coming to celebrate all God has done, but we're also coming to anticipate a gift from God. Perhaps a gift of more blessings, a gift of more grain. In this case, these guys are celebrating, oh, you gave us the commandments that have, you know, the mosaic laws by which the, Judea, Judea, the people who practice in Judaism still, still govern their life. But interestingly, God had a better gift for his people. So, here we see people from, uh, can you put up that scripture? The Parthians, um, Acts 2, verse 8. We see the Parthians, we see the Medes, we see the Elamites, we see people from Mesopotamia, from Judea, Cappadocia, from Pontus, from Asia. These were actual places. The, the Passion Translation says, they were not Eastern Iranians. Those are the people that were from the, the Parthian Empire at the time. They were not Western Iranians. They were Elamites. They were people from Mesopotamia, which is Iraq today. They were people from Judea, East Central, Turkey, the coastal areas of the Black Sea, Asia, North, North Central Turkey, Southern Turkey, Egypt, Libyans who were neighbors to Cyrene, visitors from all over the Roman Empire, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Converts to Judaism. And he said that all these people, regardless of where they came from, were hearing of God's mighty wonder. So, verse 5 of the scripture also tells us that not, did some of, not only did some of them come to visit, some of them actually were dwelling in that place at that time. So, I'd like us to see a picture, slides, of what this actually meant. I'm trying to amplify some things Pastor said um, last week, okay? So you see, these areas were not very close. This is the best uh, picture I, I could find to do justice to it. Because see, some of them came from Arabia. That's a totally different region. In fact, the, the Parthian... Um, empire to the right was outside of the jurisdiction that the Romans controlled at the time. Can we please put up the next slide? So that we see, see the jurisdiction, the ones that are under the dot were the parts that the Romans occupied at the time that had Roman influence. People traveled from within that region and also outside the region. So you see Jews and proselytes. Proselytes were non-Jews who are converted to Judaism and were practicing the laws of Judaism, they came from afar just because that festival was important and they wanted to partake um, of that festival. There have been five major civilizations in the world. The first was the Egyptians, the second was the Assyrians, the third were the Babylonians, the fourth were the Greeks, and the fifth were um, the Romans. You know, the Romans is what has morphed today to um, the Europeans that have, of course, gone ahead to colonize many of the areas of the world, including Nigeria that you, you, you live. 
And the Romans had, you know, in their influence, established pro-councils and government agencies in regions under their control. You can say like a federal building, right? And representatives that dominated an area. So, I mean, we don't practice that much in Nigeria, but in every state, so to speak, they will have like a federal building, right? That had the ethos, had the, the structure, had the systems that would, uh, they, they would control the particular region from. Again, I'm going somewhere because of the time we have. I just want to bring it together and give sort of like a homework and then we'll close. Of course, Papi will come on, ask some few questions and we'll close. So, why is this important? Okay? Jesus had told the disciples in chapter 1 of Acts 1 8 that the Holy Spirit will come upon them so that they will receive power for witness. Remember that? Acts 1 8, right? So, the question is how are they going to witness from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth? How is that going to happen? Because they had, it was talking at the time to 12 guys, of course. Let's even say with everyone else, the 120 that were now gathered in the day of Pentecost. Why were these guys going to achieve this? How were they really going to achieve this? This is where influence comes to play. There must have been at least one or two of these people who had come from these far places. Can we put up that, um, that graphic again? The one that has um, the people that traveled. No, the other one. There must have been one or two people that came from these far places, right? That were being introduced, because what was happening on that Pentecost was being introduced to the kingdom of God. There must have been one, at least one. For instance, there was a man named Manen, right? Because of time, you can take that for an assignment if you're writing. Acts 13, 1. Manen was known as a childhood companion of Herod. That was someone of influence. And the scripture tells us that that guy is one of the people in Antioch that laid hands or that prayed when God said, Pastor made reference to it last week, set apart for me now Saul and Barnabas. So I'm thinking maybe that guy was, among, was in the crowd when this happened. Was maybe one of the people that said, how can this thing be? I don't know. But this guy was in Antioch. Antioch was in Syria. Syria is labeled as one of the places of the, where the people came from at the time for this festival of weeks, for this Pentecost. So, you see, God was preparing these people, as he's preparing you and I, for influence, to go out, right, and introduce the kingdom of God, even as it has been introduced to us. That's what God was doing. It was intentional. So, imagine that guy, Manain now, in Herod's circle. Imagine his influence with some of, of the officials that were his friends or some people in Herod's household that were not believers, so to speak. Imagine that influence in the life of those people that did not know God and how he was bringing the kingdom of God in words and in deeds to them. The analogy that comes to mind still you know, is this, again, using the federal system, in each state, you have a building, right, that represents um, the federal character, the center. And in those buildings, you have people that are either permanent secretaries or honorables, so to speak. If you can think about that, then you can think about 
the assignment that you and I have been given, right? As people, as people that have received Pentecost, as people that have received the, been empowered by the Holy Spirit and have been told to go out and prosper the kingdom of God. That, I mean, I heard, um, what's his name? Dr. Miles Moreau say, that makes you even a honorable. That means because God was deliberate. The people that were being ministered to were people that understand the system of the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was one center controlling different smaller colonies by the use of governors or use of, you know, administrators. Herod was the proconsul of, of Caesar, right? And these people had power and control over the regions where they were. God knew that that system would work. So what did he do? He brought the Holy Spirit, filled his own people with power, sent them out to go and prosper the kingdom of God using the same formula, knowing that they would, those guys knew enough to go back to their places and begin to have influence in where they were. And it worked. Hallelujah. Isn't God an extraordinary strategist? Let's give a round of applause unto our God. It was totally, totally intentional. So he gathered them in one place, attracted them by the ministration of Peter. They spoke in tongues. These guys heard them glorifying God. They were convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit, like we learned last week, filled with the Spirit for witness, and they went out to their bases with that same power to prosper the kingdom of God. So every one of us here seated, and of course those of us watching online, we have been given the same assignment. You are a believer. You profess Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. You have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then you are not any different from the believers that were gathered in Pentecost. You've been given that assignment to go out and make disciples of men, not by your own power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So, again, there might be people amongst us or watching online that may have not even engaged that, that, that cancel, so to speak. You're sitting here and you are, like the guys I said, what shall we do? The same word applies. He said, repent. Receive the Holy Spirit. And of course, go out and do your bit. So we're praying for those kind of people as well. If you're watching online, you're here. That if you're yet to surrender your heart to Jesus today, you will yield your life to him. He will fill you with his spirit. And you will go out and do exploits in Jesus' name. So I'll just take one thing or two. Um, and then we will draw the curtain because of time. So, every one of us is commissioned to be a witness. The moment you are baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, the scripture says that you are given the gift. The gift. Every one of us is given the gift. And then we begin to walk in the manifestation of that gift. Now the gift is not just the gift. It's not just the speaking of tongues, right? It is the gifts that are required, the tools that are required for many, like you said, miraculous signs and wonders, Acts 2.43, right? For them to do what God had called them to do. But you may be saying, I've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and I've 
never experienced a miracle. Not to talk about signs and wonders. The question is that comes to my mind is, have you tried? Have you really tried? And I will share one or two of my own personal experiences. Personally, I tried to experiment with these scriptures. How? I take my kids, for instance. They come to me and say they have a headache or they have a pain or there's something in their life out of order. Before I administer treatment or think about the hospital, the first thing that comes to my mind is take a cup of water, pray over it, pray in their hearing, give it to them and say, drink it. Or I'll lay my hands on them and say, this pain, we command it, is gone. Or speak onto that issue and tell them to go. And most times, if not every time, it has worked to the glory of God. To the point that even when we have to administer treatment, we say to them that we can treat, but only God can heal. So it has even gotten to a stage where even before we finish the phrase, we say we can treat, they say only God can heal. So I can say that that is my own Jerusalem. I'm experimenting in my Jerusalem. That's my immediate place, like Pastor told us last week. So you're saying, I've not seen the miraculous. Have you tried? What about my Judea? A brother or a sister, I mean, I've had incidents that can come to me for an instance and say, you know what, I'm having this issue. Pray along with me. And I commit to it. And I pray with them, not for them. They, might, they are saying, pray for me. But I'm praying with them because I don't have the power. And then God answers that prayer. And they come and they say, thank you for praying for me. And I'm saying, no, thank God for answering prayers. Because I wasn't praying for you. I was praying with you. What happens to that brother or that sister? Their faith is fired up. They say this thing works. Guess what? I'm influencing my Judea. What about you? Have you tried to actually say, you know what? I really trust God with this person for that issue. I like the testimony that... um, Pastor Gift, like Gifty, like Pastor called her, shared, where she said, you, you are my, you are my um, how did she put it? You are my project for this season. I will pray with you until you become pregnant. And in the process, what happened? <laughs> so this thing works. You are my project. That is how I'm ministering to Judea, so to speak. So, what about my Samaria. I've been opportune at different times to engage my Samaria. I'll share one. Years ago, my first son, who's going to be nine, year, nine, nine years in a few, just a few days, was about seven months old. Young family. And we were commissioned to go to Sierra Leone, where for the first time in my Christian work, we battled demons face to face. And God took the glory. God won. Hallelujah. I mean, if I'm standing here today, God, I mean, God won, hallelujah, right? And the, yes, you can give a clap of hands to the Lord. And the demons were sorely bruised to the point that, in fact, I mean, I can never get over that. A demon, he wants to crawl and he's falling. I've never seen people crawl and fall. People run and they fall. People walk and they fall. Crawling, it's like the angels were stepping on the earth and saying, sit down there, come on. You know, but if I didn't take that step and join the community of faith, the believers that were going on that journey to our Samaria, so to speak, I will never have that encounter. So you are saying, I've never experienced a miracle. The question is, have you tried? Have you really, really tried? 
when calls are made for us to go out to say this is a season for outreach as a church, have you signed up for anyone? And you're saying, how can I take the gospel to my Judea, my Samaria, and my ends of the earth? No, you have not tried. The truth is that every one of us has to pick up our mandate and move. Hallelujah. So I'll just skip and um, bring it to the end. We are all commissioned and given the gift to minister. Every believer is commissioned and given the gift to minister. Now let me run through the impact of the Holy Spirit from Acts 2 as it relates to our assignments we have been given and then we draw the curtain. What assignments will be given? What ministration will be given? Pastor taught us last week that the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, what is their work? Is to equip you and I to do the work of ministration, to impact the world, to take the kingdom of God there. How? What impact have we received from the Holy Spirit? Number one, boldness. Just write it down. Acts 4, verse 27 and 31. Boldness, like Peter. Peter had boldness to speak before the religious leaders. They knew he was not learned, but he had the boldness. Number two, repentance and transformation. We don't have time to go into that now. We are not to stay in the state of repentance. Our lives must be transformed by the Holy Spirit. We lose our appetite of the old. That's what happens when transformation comes. Number three, increase. Acts 4, verse 5. Acts 2, 21. You increase. He said he was adding unto the church in one day 3,000 people. Another time 5,000, but that's increase. Number four, discipleship. Question is, are you yielding yourself to discipleship? Or who are you discipling? Acts 2.42, the, the believers, they yielded themselves. It says that they put themselves under the doctrines of the apostles. If you want to disciple other people, you have to be discipled first. Number five, spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12.7-11, go read it. Which of these spirit? Every one of us have been given gifts. None of us is empty. I'm grateful I have gifts. I know my gifts. Number six, insight on things to come, which is revelation. John began to see, John saw the old book of Revelation as a revelation. <laughs> Here in church, we've seen people that have come out prophesy. Number seven, of course, miracles of signs and wonders, you know, people like that. Peter's shadow healed the sick, Acts 5, 15 and 16. John and Peter healed a 40-year-old man that was crippled for, since birth. You may be saying, yes, you, your, your gift is different from mine. It is okay. Everybody's gift is different. It's not a competition. Yours may be prophecy. Yours may be healing. Yours may be teaching. I'm grateful for the gift of counsel that I've been given. I'm not a prophet like Pastor K. Guess what? I'm okay. <laughs> totally okay. So, the point is, use the one that you have been given and stop bothering about the one someone else has been given or how they are using it. See, 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 see the way she's, she, she's the only one that can prophesy. Use your own. Stop bothering about somebody's own. Okay, if you can prophesy like her, oh yeah, let's see your own prophecy. 
Hallelujah. So, as we proceed with this series, other teachers will come. You will get to see many more times and the loads of impact that the Holy Spirit had on the people of God. But let us start with these seven we are listed. The question is, in what aspect of your life have you been cowering that you need boldness? Where do you need boldness? Why not begin to ask the Holy Spirit from this night, even right here? Have you struggled consistently with being stuck in one place? Perhaps you love to see fruitfulness and increase in your spiritual life. Why not ask him for increase? Who are you discipling? Or are you still struggling with milk as the Holy Spirit is constantly dealing with you concerning your old patterns? Cornelius was to be discipled. Peter struggled, but eventually discipled him. And through Cornelius, that area was taken. Do you know or are you using your spiritual gifts that you have been endued? Everyone should at least have a vision for their life. The Holy Spirit gives revelation. Even if you don't have revelation for the church, your own life, your own family, your children. What is the revelation for your community? Are you engaging in the supernatural? Signs and wonders. Have you started from your own house? Like I said, lay your hands on your children. Lay your hands on, speak concerning your own um, work. Have you been engaging in prayer or you're still struggling? And finally, what do you need to repent from? What do you need to repent from? What has the Holy Spirit been whispering in your ears that you need to grow up from? What's that thing? Every one of us has been given a commission. And I pray that as you leave this place, not my words, but the words of the Holy Spirit will be loud in your ears. It will convict your heart. And you will fulfill your own task and your assignment in Jesus' name. So let's bow our heads as we bow our hearts. I know there's a lot. I'll try to crunch everything and give it to you in one, in one big drop. But it's the Holy Spirit that convicts. So you may be here. And your own starting point is to repent because your life is void of power. God didn't create you to be tormented. He didn't create you that every whim and caprices of the enemy will just throw your balance. He created you to be empowered. Is your life being controlled by your flesh? And you're saying, you know what? I've had enough of this. Jesus, I need you. I want to surrender my life to you. Why not just put up your hand, raise your hands up with a show of hands, saying to the Lord, I want to surrender to you this evening. And if you are online, you can indicate to the online pastors and they will reach out to you and give you instructions. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for pouring out your spirit upon us. And for everyone that may be surrendering their lives to you today, Lord, we ask that you come in and you transform their lives. That, Father, you would fill them with a hunger, a desire to see your kingdom prosper here on earth. Thank you, faithful Father. Honor and glory be given to you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. So like we said, we pray that you go back and engage these um, scriptures and the Holy Spirit will amplify the areas that he needs you 
to pay more attention to in Jesus' name. At this point, we should have Papi on. Good evening, Pa. Hola. Welcome, sir. How are you? Very fine, thank you. Well done. Amazing, amazing teaching. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Try to crunch as much. There's a lot that I just <laughs> jumped through. You know, but uh, we, like you said last week, it's the Holy Spirit that convicts. So the Holy Spirit will bring um, conviction and amplify His words in our ears in Jesus' name. Okay, so yeah. um, if there's anyone here that has a, a question, of course, you see that I'm fully backed up. <laughs> Papi's right here, right here with me. Uh, but I have my own questions that I, I want to ask. Uh, why we wait for anybody else that has questions, even online or in the auditorium, to go ahead. If you have a question, please just put up your hands so that we're able to. Debbie has, okay. Uh, anybody else so that we can have it in organized. So I'll go first. Uh, we'll take Debbie's own. So, my, my question, uh, which is something I tried to think about earlier, was um, when was the first time, sir, that you, uh, begun, you noticed that you had begun to walk in the supernatural? You know, the very first time that um, it, maybe, not a th- maybe a thunder and lightning moment for you, you know, or, or uh, a, a gentle whisper or a, a Samuel don't lay hands on this Eliab kind of moment, but you, you were walking in the supernatural. Because some people may say, you know what, I don't, I, I'm not experiencing signs and wonders, but they may not know that there are times that they have engaged the supernatural and the Holy Spirit has saved them from something that could actually have truncated their life. So, can you please um, guide us, sir? Uh, okay, that's a difficult one because... Um I, I, it's, it's difficult to say this is the first time, but um, seeing how your question has gone, I will share um, one time my, in, 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 earlier in my work with God, and one time um, in ministry, as in, in ministry. So, um, is that okay? Yes, sir. So I, I want to say something before you answer. The reason I'm asking so that to help someone here is, the, is it possible that there are people that are already engaging? Because, I mean, like the scripture says, born again, filled with the Holy Spirit. You're already engaging, but you do not really know because you are looking for a thunder and lightning moment. Yes, so... Um, uh, okay, so earlier I worked with God, um, I was, I didn't want to fast because I thought my pastor was crazy. <laughs> I thought, I thought, I mean, his fasting was too much. I mean, it's Pastor Sam, Sam, you know him, you know? I was like, so in my mind, I was alone in my room and I played that scenario of, if I tell him I had uh, ulcer, I mean, it would be a very wicked man to tell me to continue to fast. So I began to play that scenario up in my mind. I was teeming in it. And before I realized, I had actual physical pain in my stomach. And as the day progresses, 
blood was coming out of my mouth. It shows you how powerful the mind is. So I was happy. I was actually happy. So I got up. I was going to go and meet Pastor Sarah. That <laughs> you see, I am not going to fast today. This is your fasting. You know, you people are crazy. And on, on my way, it must be the Lord, right? Speaking common sense to my to my brain. That okay, you will not fast. But who will carry this ulcer for the rest of his life? Whose stomach will ah I was I was broken. <laughs> I was broken. So I said, hmm. I repented, I turned back, I went to my room, and the pain of course increased, you know how the enemy can be. And I laid my hands on my stomach and I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and slept off. And I woke up completely healed. Hallelujah. Completely healed. So I jumped in, I did the fast. You know, I did I even did the <laughs> you know, and, and by the grace of God, I've been fasting ever since. You know, and you know, I nothing wrong with my stomach. So Hallelujah. I don't know. Does that fit into the category that you can actually lay hands on yourself and be healed? Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much for that, sir. Um, so I'm also reminded on on times when I have, you know, like Pastor said, there are times when the enemy will amplify. Now, you know what, this headache is a tumor. <laughs> I don't know if anybody has had this kind of thing. Or oh, this pain, this is cancer. I kid you not, you know. And I wondering. so what you, yeah, yeah so I have, I, have, uh, I have brothers and sisters here. And I literally have to lay myself, especially when we're coasting, sir. Especially when we're coasting. The enemy will come, I say, you see you. <laughs> you die, you are dead. Because this, this pastor, you're, you're talking about Pastor Sam. Should I tell you about your own, sir? <laughs> <laughs> this pastor won't kill you now. Three weeks, cold, cold thoughts. <laughs> so, when the pangs of the flesh come, you're wondering if this is not a disease or if this is not something. <laughs> you have to lay your hand on yourself and speak life, you know. Thank you so much. So that was, um, I think that will help anybody that is struggling and has not, um, if you're not really engaged in supernatural, then really, like pastor said last week, it's either you are not really, you need to ask for a refilling because it's supposed to be a daily, uh, and because of time, I had lots of other examples I wanted to share, but yeah, ask for a daily infilling and you will engage. It could be your neighbor, it could be, you know, you will engage. Of course, there are times that I've also engaged that nothing happened, but hey, God is God. Hallelujah. So can we have um, Debbie's question? Debbie, that question is for Papi, right? <clears throat> Good evening, everybody. Good evening, teacher. <laughs> Good evening, everybody. Okay, so we see from um, last week's teaching that um, Jesus cast a vision, Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then in today's teaching, God brought those people. Mm. So I'm asking myself, I'm asking, mm. okay, God, you can do this thing. Mm. Why do you need us? What is, okay, so why, why? Yes, Hallelujah. I think that's my question. That's, a very, that's a very good question, Debbie. So, um, the same way God 
um, brought the people from all over the region. If you look in this place, I don't think we are all, this is the southwest state of Nigeria, but I don't think we are all Yorubas here. For example, I'm from Edo State. You're from Edo State. I see someone here that I know is from Calabar. There are people watching us right now from maybe China, United States, like Papi, right? Why has God brought us here? So it's the same thing. He's the master orchestrator because he knows that there's someone in your own locality, someone in your own environment, someone in your own Jerusalem, which is, could be, I mean, you could be watching us from the United Kingdom that needs to experience the kingdom of God. And that kingdom of God is in you because the Holy Spirit has empowered you. So, yes, God said, go out and make disciples of all men. But he didn't tell them that, you know what, uh, I, I, I'm going to send you to go to... Um, of course, some of them literally traveled. I was going to put up a graphic of, of the disciples and how far they went. But God needed to bring... I mean, I like, what, what I felt the Holy Spirit said to most influence. He needed to bring people that had certain kind of influence in different localities. So that where Peter would struggle to speak, Parthian or Medis. There's someone that was in that place that could speak Parthian or Medis. Where uh, um, Philip would struggle to speak to the man from Cyrene. There's someone in that place that asked, what can we do? That understood it and went back to Cyrene and was able to minister to his place. And of course, the gospel spread. Hallelujah. In fact, it even says that when some of them, you know, it says that they were dwelling. I mentioned that dwelling, but we didn't have time to go into it. Some of them were dwelling in that place, but God had to scatter them. He used Saul. He brought persecution upon them. The Bible says they scattered. In Acts, Acts 4 and Acts, Acts 8 and Acts 11, Acts 13, pardon me. Acts 11 and of course in 13. They scattered. And when they scattered, in that place where they scattered, that's where Manaen had the same opportunity to speak to that same soul that scattered them and commissioned him to go and do the work to the ends of the earth. Hallelujah. Papi, I don't know if you have something else to add to that. Uh, well, I mean, in addition, I would say that um, just uh, the, uh, the question that they asked, I mean, God brought them, so does it need us? The truth is, um, without God, we cannot. And without us, God will not. Hallelujah. So, yes, God brought them, like Pastor Richard said, um, um, as, as like forebearers to take it to that region. But the apostles needed to get up. And, you know, by the time they got to, for instance, Syria, there was somebody there that could, oh, yeah, I was there at Pentecost, that could open the door for them, Hallelujah. you know. Um, you know, and, and, and all that stuff. And like Pastor Richard said, person of influence. So, yeah. Thank you. Is there any other question? Okay. Um, maybe I should um, throw... Do we have time for one more, Papi? Sure. Okay, okay. So, I was thinking about... I'm thinking now about um, spiritual gifts. Is Papi still there? Yes, I am. Okay, okay. I couldn't see. <laughs> so, I was thinking about spiritual gifts. In God's Word House, we do have a, a class that tells us how we could use, um, I think it's going for God. That, I mean, that's um, journey class. But I just wanted, wanted you, since you're here, how do we begin to engage our spiritual gifts to the point where we become familiar with them 
uncomfortable with them. How? I, I, I mean, I just came here today. I gave my life to Christ. Um, the Holy Spirit has filled me up. But, and, and I'm being told that he gave gifts to, to us all. How do we begin to engage? Where do we start from? Are those gifts maybe the dreams I used to have before I came to Christ when I would see that they were witches <laughs> in the village? You know, how? Okay, so I think, I think the, um, the best way is, is, is to seek to be of value to other people, to, is to seek to serve, is to seek to serve. You know, and as you seek to serve, the gifts of God begins to work in your life. You know, regardless of however the Holy Spirit chooses to to manifest it. So, the gift is not for self-aggrandizement. You know, of oh, I just sit down in my my love to I have this gift. I have that gift. <laughs> you know, so um, it's it, it's for service. So, the more you serve, the more you serve God by serving people. The more the opportunity comes, comes, comes in, and the more you use the gift, the more you step out in faith and you use the gift. Like Pastor Richard said, I want to pray along with someone that is sick. Go along, go ahead and, and pray. It's God's job to heal. So as you pray for the person, you dis- you discover that God has healed the person. Then pray for the next person. Then you pray for the next person. Then you're wondering, okay, is this the gift of healings? Or is it working of miracles? You know, then you, go, you want to begin to say, okay, what's going on here? You know, the, the very first time, I, um, I was going to say this, the very first time I, um, I, I, the word is, really came into the gift of the word of knowledge, ministry, was at the Red Bricks building. And at that location, the Holy Spirit told me, I remember very clearly, that a man was in there, he was losing his sight, and that I should speak the word and he will reverse it. I was, I was, I mean, I was preaching, but I was afraid. I was like, ah, ah. What if I say it and, <laughs> and nothing happens, <laughs> you know? And he, and, he, and he said to me, what's the chaff from the wheat? You know, just speak my word. My word is, 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 is the wheat, you know? Just speak my word, you know? And I, and I reasoned to myself that, well, what do you start to lose, you know? Just speak God's word, you know? And I did. And in the following Sunday, the man came forward. I shared his testimony and I was, I was, I was blessed. Hallelujah. You know? you know, and that, you know, like walking on water gave me confidence to go further and further and further. Yeah, so that's how to do it. Beautiful. I, I think I have, thank you, sir. I think I have a follow-up. Um, that just came to me as well. So, what do we say to people that, um, for example, uh, again, it's, it's, it's going to be like a two-prone question. So you prayed with people, and they maybe someone that's sick or people that were sick, and they get well. So first question with that is, do you now say, okay, truly, I, I, is that a gift of healing, really? Because multiple people, multiple people 
have been healed by you agreeing with them in a place of prayer. That's one. Secondly, what do you now do when you are now the one that is sick? You're praying for people that are sick and getting well <laughs> and nothing is happening to you. Okay, so when it comes to um, healing, is the basic um, covenant positioning of the Christian. Every believer, you will lay your hands on the sick and they will cover. So, so you can be operating from that purely from from these signs shall follow. You know, them that believe and release your faith and, and that is it. But when is a gift? There is, it's like a river that flows through you. A, a, you will know, you know. So, um, that's all I can say. You will know, <laughs> you know. It's like, it's like a river that flows through you. you you'll just know. Um, what about those that are praying for people to be healed and the people that are being prayed for to be healed, the person that is praying for people to be healed uh, is, is sick. And he has prayed and prayed, and <laughs> nothing has happened, you know. It's a very challenging place to be, you know, very challenging place to be. You know, I've, I've had seasons in my life where, you know, all, it's almost as if people will just touch my shirt and they'll get pregnant. <laughs> you know, literally, you know, I was, you know, and, you know and I had that, you know, uh, trusting God for children for such a long time. Usually, sometimes, it could be, there's something God is saying. There's a, there's a blockage somewhere. Sometimes, it is. Sometimes, it's just, God trying to just let you know that you are flesh and blood, you know? Like Paul prayed, he says, I, I prayed this three times that this tongue be removed from his flesh. And every time he prayed, God says, my grace is sufficient for you. <laughs> you know? Now under eight levels, you know? My grace is sufficient for you. Meanwhile, Paul was going around, you know, working miracles, yeah. doing this and that. It was, it was doing Talalatulu, he had a limp, you know? Or, or do we talk about Elisha? Elisha that died sick. His predecessor did not know sickness. was transition. Elisha died sick. He had double portion of the anointing of Elijah. He was so anointed that even his dead bones was raising people from the dead. But yet he was not healed. Sometimes we just need to bow to God, you know, and say that, you know, <laughs> you know, but be sure though, be sure that it is, that is the situation, so that you do not um, um, circumvent your blessings in the place of trying to say, oh, this is God's cross for me. I'm, I'm, I'm carrying my cross. Like the example I gave in my, my own case, I mean, that was not the case. I mean, there were just blockages here and there and different dynamics that I needed to navigate. You know, sometimes, you know, that is what it is. 
So, um, yeah, I hope that helps. Absolutely. Well, it makes me want to ask some more questions. But there's a question from online, so let me take that if we still have time, because this particular part is uh, sensitive for me. Uh, and I'm thinking maybe I should take my questions offline. Debbie, please, read the online question. Okay, a question from YouTube says, going by the teaching and the caliber of people used to spread the gospel, does it mean those people who do not have any form of influence do not have capacity to spread the word? Fafi, you want to go with that, or should I give it a stab? Go ahead. Okay. Um, so let me qualify. I, I didn't mean that specifically everyone in that place had some kind of uh, magnificent influence, right, over the people they had. But if you check, every one of us has influence. You have influence over your friends that you do life with. You probably have influence over, hopefully I pray, you have influence over your spouse. You have influence over your children. You have influence over your siblings. If you do not have any kind of influence, then I mean, you, need to, you need to start from that place. Maybe they begin to lay hands on yourself and pray for influence. So it wasn't a case of um, them having a, a huge kind of influence, like in the case of um, Manahin, who was um, um, Herod's childhood body, Herod's father's childhood body, right? It, it could just be, what's your influence? You go to work, right? And let's use this scenarios we'll be talking about with Papi. And then someone in your place of work that is sick, just saying my head has been pounding all day. I, can't, I think I remember Papi also share his own testimony about his boss, maybe nasty boss. And he says, sir, do you mind if I pray with you? And the man grumpily says, mm -hmm, pray with me. And then you pray with him and then go to your own office. And the guy is healed. That is influence right there. That's influence. So, like the question we ask, are you even engaging it? Are you engaging it when you get up in the morning? I want to say something really, um, I mean, this is my own consecration, let me put it that way. There were times when the paper is low. You have extended yourself seriously for bills for that particular month and you have other commitments. Then in the country where we live, those guys call Nepal will take light. And I have to buy diesel. And I know their pattern of lighting sometimes they don't bring it back. I've had to pray. God, I need light now to do something. And the light comes. Will I say that's a coincidence? I don't think it's a coincidence. I believe it's God saying, my son needs light to do something. So I will provoke the man that loves the off and on switch to own the thing so that the boy can do something. Now, when I share that testimony with somebody, I don't need to know the person. That is influence because I'm saying to the person that, you know what, you can have this too. I hope that answers it. Fafi, over to you, sir. Oh, no, nothing to add. Pardon, sir? Nothing to add. Oh, nothing to add. Okay, okay. Thank you, sir. Um, there be any other question? We are fast spent for time, so I think I'll take my questions offline because uh, some of them are pretty um, sensitive. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Papi. Uh, and that brings an end to today's teaching and I will make way for the ROP and of course Pastor. Um, even as we close, I'm going to invite um, Papi to bless us. The Lord bless you and keep you. Amen. 
God make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Amen. God lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. And so it is and shall be. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. And so God's favorite house, let's remember that um, for this year we are limitless. So God's favorite house, who are we? We are limitless all the way. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.